and welcome to Not Another Bad Movie Podcast with me, Megan. Today, my guest is Mika Milner. Sorry, I think I definitely got that wrong. <laughs> that, is com- that is completely fine. Everyone gets it wrong because I am from Finland and out here our names are a bit different than yours, Megan. So it's totally okay. <laughs> I'm only worried about having to discuss this, this movie and that's the only thing I'm worried about right now. <laughs> well, um, go ahead and, and say your name for the listeners so that at least they'll, they'll understand. So it is Mika Mononen, and it, it, it probably won't be written the way you think when I said it, but that's fine. Just look at the show notes. I'm certain it'll be there in some form or another. Yes, yes, it will be. <laughs> so what is your experience with the made-for-TV movies? Do you watch a lot of them or not really? Well, so in the early 2000s, when DVDs were blowing up all around the world, uh, a lot of Finnish companies put out a bunch of made-for-TV movies from the U.S. that were just, they just came out on video straight up, so, and they were very cheap, so I watched a few of those. I cannot remember any of their names, I just remember that the picture quality was (laughs) always hot garbage, and that's pretty much it for my experience on American TV movies. Out here we don't really do TV movies that much. We do, uh, basically what we do is we film a movie and then while filming that movie they also film like a 10 hour version of that movie that they then show on TV like years after the actual movie has come out. They did a lot, they did that with the uh, like the the girl with the tri- dragon tattoo trilogy and all that. It's kind of a tradition in the Nordic countries with crime stuff especially so that's the closest we get to tv movies so basically our cinema is garbage is what i'm saying but yeah so when you say 10 hours is it like behind the scenes and extra footage or is it like a mini series version yeah it's a mini series version like the those girl with the dragon tattoo movies they last like i think uh, 100 maybe 120 the cinematic versions but then the tv versions are like three or four hours each and sometimes they do way longer than that. So, wow. yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's a very budgetary thing to do. You get to sell the thing twice instead of once. So <laughs> that's the key thing behind it, I think. <laughs> that's true. Wow. That sounds awesome because I happen to love miniseries. Like sometimes I'll hear about the conceit of a new drama on TV. And I'm like, I don't want to invest like 25 episodes and then like if it gets picked up again, another 25 episodes. I'd rather just like watch like four or eight episodes. And yeah, I, I eagerly <laughs> expect, ex- I'm excitedly awaiting to a time when they actually put out one of these things that is actually good. So when they do that, I'll be very excited about the concept as well. In the meantime, <laughs> I'll just be cynical and disappointed in everything that I see from the, this concept. But it's fine <laughs> but yeah modern tv movies they're they're not a thing here like there are like 20 basic channels in this country and like a few of them do run movies like this but why on earth would anyone ever watch that <laughs> i don't know so <laughs> this is my first touchstone to like made for tv movies that are not for kids that i'm watching because they have some actor i like like i watched that uh grumpy cat special that had Aubrey Plaza doing the voice. I watched that like a few years ago, I think. That's my closest touchstone to the concept, I think. Yeah. It is surprising sometimes like who they're able to get to do these really terrible movies. 
Like, this movie has a pretty good cast. Does it? Who, who are these people? I, <laughs> I mean, they're I, not big, I, but, like, you've seen them around. <laughs> it's got okay, Christina I Cox bet, and Beverly yeah. Mitchell. And I've definitely seen their faces. It's funny, I went to IMDb earlier today just to, like, quickly go over, what do I know Christina Cox from? I know I know her name, and I know I know her face. And, like, basically, she's just popped up as random characters in, like, a ton of American TV shows. But... Yeah, these. She's never like the star. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe I was getting off a lot of these people in this in this show. And I also checked IMDb, and I guess the good good dance mom in this movie was in uh, Saw Two. So that's I've seen that. I guess that was a lot of long time ago, but <laughs> she was in that. Yeah, I think that's like most of their careers. It's like, oh yeah, they were in a thing a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like the uh, character of the bad dance mom in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so, the movie we watched was called Deadly Dance Mom, and like a lot of these movies, it had an alternate title, which I think was like, Going Too Far. No, Taken Too Far. Taken I saw a yes. com- I co- saw a comment somewhere that someone thought it was a Taken sequel, and they watched it and was very disappointed <laughs> about it. Yeah. Yeah, I... I usually try to watch these as a part of um, like my Lifetime and Hallmark subscription because uh, I have something similar to cable. Um, but uh, I wanted to make sure that we could both see it. So I was like, oh, it's included with Prime. We'll both be good. Uh, and then because Amazon Prime has different regions, you weren't able to actually watch it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, but thankfully I have a vpn connection that i can use to buy uh movies from youtube on the american side and then watch them on my tv just like they would be in finland but well i spent i think three dollars to rent this on sd uh gotta say i didn't miss the hd that was a surprise i thought it would be bad quality it was not it was way better than those dvds in the early 2000s uh still yeah i guess it was worth it it was totally worth it i get to be here that's 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 good enough I, I'm also happy to give money to uh, Certified Organic Entertainment, which was one of the production logos in the beginning. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that the actors were free to run across fields, <laughs> eat grass, all that. It's great. I love it. Maybe, like, craft services had to, like, make sure that everything was organic in order for it to be certified organic. Yeah, that might explain where the money went in the production of this <laughs> thing. I think they blew all their budget on using a Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> and also CGIing that Cadillac Escalade into a beautiful shot that we'll be discussing when it comes our way. Because there's a, there are a few very good CGI scenes in this movie. I don't know if you spotted oh, them. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so the story uh, takes place somewhere near Chicago. <laughs> We're not exactly sure where. Um, yeah, they say Chicago once in the entire movie, but yes, <laughs> I guess it is Chicago. I think that, I think this might have been shot in Canada, like all other cheap movies, according to what I've understood. Yeah. Because the actors are all their IMDb pages just say that they are a Toronto actor, so <laughs> yeah. Also, that might be a hint towards something. Yeah. Also, at least three of them have a pretty um, strong Canadian accent. Uh. 
Yes, I I would be very unable to tell that from their accents, but I believe you. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the husband, for sure. Um, there's a lot of, you know, out and about and that sort of thing. The only accents I paid attention to in this movie were the uh, housemaid and the handyman, I guess? The dude who was cutting some trees was the husband of the housemaid? Yeah. The, those, those two had some... Uh, I had to immediately check whether or not those people were actually like if they were from Mexico or something because or, or Spain or somewhere like that because their accents are so thick but now nah, they're both Canadian so <laughs> that was uh, I was kind of bummed out about knowing that because those accents are really something and especially it's not just the accents it's the words like they don't they speak in a broken English and it's so offensive it's I I was just very sad watching those and thinking that I pay three dollars to watch those accents be a thing. Yeah, it was very cringy. Um, so there's there's two moms. There's basically good mom versus bad mom. Uh, bad mom. Uh, I would like I would like to propose that we do not call them bad mom and good mom. They are bad dance mom and good dance mom. Oh yes, it's it's very it's pivotal different. to this movie. Yes, it's like a specific species of. Good mom and bad mom. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so, uh, Bad Dance Mom, uh, played by Christina Cox, um, she has this huge uh, Escalade, and for some reason she hasn't dropped off her daughter at the tryouts. I guess they went directly from high school or middle school to isn't this dance studio? Is, isn't it their school? part of their school or is it just like are dance schools just called schools rather than like dance academy or something because uh, they co call it a school all the time in this but I, I guess they might be going to a different school and then traveling from there but yeah I don't know I mean there are some schools for the arts where you know you have to try out to get in and then part of your curriculum is you know dedicated to some art or another um, so I mean it could have been that or it could have been like just a place to take dance classes they weren't they they did yeah. call it just dance school but yeah yes they, they did <laughs> i i the only dance school i can remember off the top of my head is in suspiria and this is very different from suspiria i'm afraid yes <laughs> um so we we know that she's bad um because i guess the, the car she's listening to rap music and she's cutting everyone off in traffic including honking her horn at a school yeah bus. and cutting off the school bus despite the fact that it clearly has a sign that says stop and she just drives right right across the side it's it's a thing of beauty and then then yeah. she says all these crazies out in traffic or something like that it's wow and i i do have to say this is the first time that we see this uh this movie has some incredible rear projection in the scenes of the cars like when we are seeing people inside the cars it's always rear projected and it's hitchcock would be very proud of the low quality of this rear projection throughout this movie oh yes it's it's very distracting <laughs> yes it is <laughs> to say the least and especially because they they did they clearly shot uh, exteriors with these cars in these places they don't use stock footage yes. that much but they don't they didn't no. shoot anything with the people inside the cars it is insane i i'm just 
Yeah. Maybe they couldn't get the actors that day. Yeah. Like maybe it's not the actors in the. Yeah, car. maybe they were. It's other. They people. were under house arrest or something, and the house happened to be the studio where they had the green screen cars in. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> uh, I I did. Maybe they were only on set for like two days. That is also very possible with the level of uh, quality throughout <laughs> this movie. Uh, I I yeah. did like the that the title Deadly Dance Mom, it was like there was some ominous music and then it turned into this rap beat and at that moment the Deadly Dance Mom title came up and I really did appreciate that. That was some good stuff. Yeah, because it was like, this is like a very serious, scary movie, but there's going to be some dance. Not much, but there's going to be some. Yes, I think I clocked it at about a minute and 50 seconds or so. Of dance, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe three minutes, because there's some dance at the end. Yeah, no, that's pretty much what I clocked. <laughs> I, did, I didn't count the oh. start when they, they have their little pirouette scene in the uh, rehearsal. Oh, in the yeah. Uh, I, I gotta say, this scene with her in the car, I was I was watching this with captions. There's gonna be a few more mentions of this throughout this movie, but uh, the captions don't have any spelling in them, so they don't have punctuation, like uh, dots or commas and so on. So... The captions just said, mom, tryouts start in 30 minutes when the daughter was calling her mom about them. And I was really confused. I, I Momentarily, I just thought, oh my god, what if this is like the Rob Reiner anti-classic North and she's actually going to a mom tryout and she's so going to fail because <laughs> she's terrible at this already. But then it wasn't. It was just a, a tryout and she was calling her mom. I was just bummed out again. <laughs> That's always sad when you're watching these movies and you're like, oh, is this going to be interesting? And then it's like, no, it's not. Yeah. You should not have thought this was going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't know if calling, comparing something to Rob Reiner's North would be calling it interesting. But yeah, I suppose it, it would be more <laughs> interesting than what it is, after all. But I gotta say that yeah. they really do hammer home the fact that this mom is evil with the whole uh, license plate that she has. It's kind of incredible. It says number one dance mom. The other one, yes, it says dance mom one. Well, dance mom number one, yeah. And it it's yeah. really like, uh, that really, I just saw Ready Player One some days ago, and it really just rivals that password in that movie of Boss Man 69 or whatever it was. <laughs> yes, it was Boss Man 69. Yeah, you immediately know that this is, like, this lady is not good. Not, not at all. In no way. No. So then she, like, just abandons her car in a random spot in the parking lot, blocking in other cars because she can't find a place to put her car. Yeah, including the then, good dance mom who arrives in the scene a bit later and tries to find a parking spot. Yeah. And I think... But she parks yeah, appropriately, but then she ends up having to be a little late. She walks in a little late. Yeah, but uh, was it, uh, her name was Beth, right? And the bad dance mom is Jeanette? And this yeah. is, there's something very, uh, uh, very jingoistic about the fact that Jeanette is the bad guy and Beth is the good one, especially in a movie that introduces her with rap music. It's like, oh, it's yet another foreigner comes to take our, uh, our dance prestige away from us narrative. I don't know what, what ethnicity... Do you think she's supposed to be? Uh, no, it's not ethnicity. It's like, isn't Jeanette a French name? It's yeah. a very weird direction to be jingoistic in, but you never know. 
I don't know, maybe if this is set in Quebec, it makes sense. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. That Damn, they, they probably threw that Chicago line in there at, like, very la the last minute that they were shooting that scene. So just like, oh, this cannot be set in Toronto. Just just pretend, just pretend. just. Right. It's strange because I wasn't paying enough attention in the beginning. I didn't realize the whole idea of the tryouts is to send two of the girls from this particular school to like the regional competition and then if you win the regional competition you get a scholarship and you get to go to la to shoot a music video yes music video for Bella rose who is totally a real person right. who never shows up in this movie <laughs> yeah it's like why even they could have just said and you get a like a a scholarship and that could have been literally all of it. There was no need to add an extra thing to it because it never gets brought up again. Well, uh, the well, the and whole going to LA thing does though, because the bad dance mom is totally about all about getting her child discovered by the well, whatever talent seeker would be at a music video shoot for Della Rose. So that was made. That was her motivation to start this whole. Uh, not deadly affair, a uh, slightly risky affair, I think would be correct. Yeah. Deadly Dance Mom kind of sets you up to be like, oh, she wants to, like, murder this girl. And she doesn't. She just wants to kidnap her, which is still, like, a felony. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I, there is no deadliness. In yeah, and I think this movie kind of misunderstands the term deadly because it does have the lethal crime unit show up at the end to investigate a kidnapping which that's not a lethal crime per se i don't know why what why they are there but they are <laughs> they have nothing else going on then yeah <laughs> just hanging out with a sick leather jacket on that's all they got to do i guess um so they really like hammer home that this woman's a bad mom. She like grabs a chair from the back and instead of sitting down, she moves her chair to the front and slams it into another mother's foot. I love and this then, other mother like, so much in this movie. She's great. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's a pity we never see her again. Yeah, well, she says that you will never see this face again, and she she's not kidding. She's she was yeah. right. <laughs> she like tries to stand up for herself, and then um. The bad mom is like, don't touch me. You couldn't afford the cleaning costs. Yeah. And <laughs> then they all end up arguing when uh, the bad mom's daughter is one of the two that get chosen. And the, because they think that the, um, yeah, her name's Gabby. Yeah. Or is that the. Yeah, Gab Gabby's the dance instructor. The daughter is called Sarah. Okay. And Melanie is the good dance mom's daughter who also gets chosen to be in the contest. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, Gabby always picks Sarah. It's not fair. And <laughs> I thought it was pretty rough that they started booing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Like, it, they're, <laughs> they're like 14-year-old children and people are booing them in this very small room. You can clearly see who it is that's booing at them. And yeah, that's... Yeah. And I do like the line that the mom whose uh, foot was stepped on says about... Why am I paying you these big bucks? And she literally says big bucks, and I couldn't love her more at that moment. It was true love at first sight. She's like, why am I paying you these big bucks if Jackson never gets a, a, a opportunity to do all these things? 
and he's the best male dancer. And then another one of the moms is like, he's the only male dancer in the entire school. What are you talking about? Yeah, and that turns into just this. That's beside the point, which I, it is in this context, kind of. But yeah, also don't maybe don't say. So you're the one who brought it up. Yeah, th- maybe don't say that <laughs> if this is your, the argument you're trying to get through. I, I did like the Gabby was kind of she was kind of a, a very she was very certain that these two were the winners because she just said those clearly the winners are Melanie and Sarah it's not like oh I, I know I have to choose it's like yeah all of you are garbage but these two these two are clearly the winners I did like that she has an attitude for throughout this movie oh yeah they're definitely trying to um mimic some of the drama that was going on on that reality tv show uh dance moms i don't know if you ever saw so that. i have not seen dance moms but we do get a lot of very dumb realities that you know is made in the states and this reminded me a lot about the one about uh toddlers in tiaras is that it Oh, yeah. yeah, this. That's yeah, one. Th- that that one has some very similar characters to the lady who is saying, "Why am I paying you these big bucks?" Yeah, the dance moms one. I I don't really watch reality TV much, anyways. But sometimes back in the days when I had cable, I would just kind of flip through, and uh, I would see literally like thirty seconds of that show, and I'd get so angry because their teacher was just such a monster. Yeah. Yeah. She's not a monster in, she, in think... this movie, though. What? She's not a monster in this movie, though, sort of. At the end, she's very no. sympathetic. Yeah, she's barely in Yeah, it. <laughs> yes, but I do like her outfit towards the end. We'll get to that when it comes yeah. around. So, the good mom, she is a single mom, and she is working at a um, Del- bakery. Yeah, I guess it's a coffee cafe shop. Yeah, and it also does catering which is a thing yeah yeah I, I, there so i guess if you don't have a lot of other caterers in the area you could yeah I, i'm just very confused about her job because there's a scene of, uh, not too long from here where she arrives at work she's uh, maybe a few minutes late the owner is there and the uh another waitress is also there and the owner is like Oh, why aren't you here? We don't have any coffee because you didn't make the coffee. And it's like, why couldn't the other waitress make the coffee or the owner? Are they incompetent? Can't they make coffee? That's, I don't drink coffee. I can make coffee. It's very weird that they are relying on this one woman to not only make coffee, but put out pastries and make pastries as well, as well as being a waitress on top of that. It's, she has a lot of stuff to do in this movie i i can't blame her for being a bit uh frustrated about her financial situation she can't be getting paid enough to do all this stuff for instead of you know the other people who are also employed there who do not do those things it was strange because it's like oh you're only a couple minutes late and yet people are at the door and we're gonna let them in early and it's like yeah yeah the whole how late is she yeah the line about there's no coffee because you didn't make it but what what were you doing during this entire time that you are complaining to her? You know, you could have made the coffee so many times during this conversation alone. But no, no. 
Especially since, like, at a cafe, that is literally the most important thing to have done, is to have coffee. That's why people come. They may or may not get pastries, they may or may not get a sandwich, but, like, almost every single person in that line is going to get a coffee of some yeah, sort. Yeah, they don't <laughs> have any excuse for the, for any of this, because uh, the mom says that she put out the pastries before she left yesterday. So, again, what were they doing? What? I don't get it. I really don't. I'm confused. Yeah, I don't know how much longer this business is going to Yeah, well, clearly after this movie, not too much longer because she's going to go off and do her own thing, but... Right. But she used to be, I guess, a ballerina when she was young, and then I don't know if it was because she got pregnant that she had to stop being a ballerina. I cannot remember. They did have that conversation, and I guess they didn't reveal that there. Um, that's, that's, yeah. That's about my recollection of that conversation, I gotta say. <laughs> but I... It, it's kind of vague why she ended, and then later they have like an argument, and it makes it sound like, oh, you wish I was never yeah, born so you yeah. could still be a ballerina. And that's a very weird scene, because the rest of this movie, she has no issues with her mom, she loves her mom. And then there's this one scene in the middle where they are very argument argumenting a lot, but or arguing, rather, a lot. Because uh, the mom is concerned that her daughter is not going to be applying herself in school and focusing too much on dance. And then uh, dance, you know, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. And even if she makes it, it's such a short span of time that she's going to need something. The impression I kind of got out of that conversation was that it was one of those scenes in a lot of movies like this where some outsider is trying to influence uh, the internal relationships between two where like that outsider's influence is starting to corrupt someone and they're becoming agitated at their current situation. But it doesn't, that's not the plot of this movie though. Like this is about kidnapping no. a girl. So it, yeah, it just feels very out of place in the rest of all this. Yeah, it's like another source of conflict. And it would make sense if she was like, oh, I guess my daughter isn't picking up my phone call because she's mad but that they've already made up by that point so it, it doesn't really help anything else in the plot really. yeah but yeah the, these two are in the uh, car talking about their how poor they are and they're both you know using their iphones while, while doing that it was a bit uh, it was a weird scene again i mean she does have a dumpy car and they live in a studio apartment yeah so well yeah I, I mean, I, believe they I will say, iPhone, I, iPhones, I, I guess you Americans have it easy in terms of just paying the plan or something and you get an iPhone. So I guess that, that checks out in that sense. Yeah, I don't have an yeah, iPhone. Yeah, I'm not saying you have an iPhone. <laughs> there are I'm, people who like prioritize yes, that over yeah, others. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like, uh, yet again, this shot of them in that car talking to each other. There are a few exterior shots of it and it's... At those moments, I thought this is a TV movie because they really, really look like, um, you know, digital uh, movies that were shot digitally in like early 2000s. There's a grain to them that the rest of the movie doesn't have. It's almost like they had a worse camera to do it with or something than the rest of the movie, which yeah, it's not stock footage. You can see that those are clearly the cars used in this movie, but it's just they had a b unit or something and the b unit had a worse camera to shoot with or something yeah it it seems 
I'm not sure, but it seems like they perhaps made this movie more quickly. <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. That's what that, it feels that, like. <laughs> I, I would not argue, argue with that. Yeah, that's the, the director of this, actually, he has made a lot of cheap TV show episodes, so that checks out. He's probably fast because he has worked in that environment since like the 90s. He was in that Sliders TV, or he was directing episodes of the Sliders TV show. That's a, that's a cheap I'm show if I've show. ever seen one. <laughs> but yeah, then we, after they are in that car, we get that scene with uh, Jeanette and her family in their home, and they don't have a good time in there. Never in this movie. <laughs> yeah. The dad wants to uh, encourage his daughter to eat bread at dinner, and um, the mom is like, no, she has to be at tip-top shape, and she can't have bread or any carbs. Yeah, and she has a very uh, uh, French New Wave approach to a healthy diet herself, since she says that if you are eating in my kitchen, then the food is always healthy. And the, her plate is empty, she's just drinking wine. She's drinking wine in almost every scene in this movie, but she's especially drinking wine here, and it just struck me as like, mm, this is a very healthy diet that you you have yourself here. Yeah. You should definitely be eating uh, at least something with your wine. Yeah, yes, that's a, it, like just, a, just like, you know, the uh, uh, side dish for your wine. That's, that's what they say. Yeah. Um, and the boy gets mouthy saying, oh, well, you never cook for us. And, um, it's just Alba who cooks for us because they have, um, a woman who minds the children, does the housekeeping and cooks for them. I, I, I was, she I, does all three I was under the impression that they had three different people because it, just in the scene after the kitchen scene, when the dad and mama are arguing upstairs, they are... He says something about uh, how it's very expensive since they are employing a cook, nanny, and a cleaner. And then they do have, like, we see Alva, she's the cook. She's always in the kitchen. And then we see uh, Stevie, the uh, handyman, who I guess is the cleaner, maybe? Or otherwise, he's leaving off Stevie entirely from this equation. So I, I would think yeah, that they have a nanny somewhere as well. Did, like, yeah, it just sounds like does the landscaping or something all the outdoor stuff yeah so and then later she asks the cook to like watch her kid so it seems like she's doing both of those things yeah i so i don't know if they have someone that comes in and cleans maybe you know it's it's that rich person thing where you have you're spending so much money that you're just not keeping uh, an eye on it anymore you just think that oh i have all these things that i'm running here it's like johnny depp in the recent years but yeah this dad is totally johnny depp and <laughs> 2018 yeah their house is enormous they only have two kids and Jeanette is kind of a lady who lunches she doesn't have a job and they have a lot of help keeping up this enormous house and the husband's like I want to work less and spend more time with my kids so you need to let go of someone in the staff or have it so that our daughter is in fewer dance classes and I guess she's taking lots of different styles of dance. Yeah, I don't we get it either. We only ever see either. her do the stuff her dad did. Yeah, I don't get it either because, like, you would imagine that uh, cutting some dance classes is not comparative to letting go a 
cook or a nanny or cleaner because that's like that's a very expensive thing to have someone cooking for you at all times but having cutting dance classes that cannot that that's not a comparative cost is it I mean, it would depend on how many classes this girl is taking. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> and we have no idea. Yeah, if she, if she, her life literally has nothing but dance classes day in, day out, I, I guess, yeah. And it's strange because later in the movie, he says this in, in the scene too, but he, he keeps making the point, you know, you're trying to make um, our daughter Sarah's interests dance, but she has other interests too. And, you know, you want her to have the life you wish you could have had when you were growing up. And, you know, that's not fair to Sarah and she has other interests. And then he's like, you know, she also likes horses. And it's like, if you're trying to get them to cut costs as a family, like, why are you talking about she's also interested in horses? Like, maybe don't bring that up. <laughs> yeah, that's, I actually didn't think about that. It's, yeah, very, very true. And it's, I, I think he's right, though, about her not caring about dance all that much because there's that scene when when the bad mom bad dance mom has to ditch her kid to uh go do some kidnapping that she's like oh i'll drop you off at the mall and then they're on their way to this super important dance contest and she's like oh that's great i get to see my friends there it's like what <laughs> Do you not care about this dance contest? Should that be the number one thing on your mind right now? But I... Yeah, yeah. it's so strange. The dad has a point. The dad has a point. I, know, I will get to this, but I think this is a somewhat patriarchal movie about a lot of things in the end. But we'll save that until we reveal the exciting climax of this movie. <laughs> so this movie moves at a pretty good clip. The next scene, I think, is... Jeanette talking to Stevie, the landscaper, and her saying, oh, I'm unhappy in my marriage, and I don't trust my husband not to take the kids because he's a lawyer, and he'll, like, win. Um, and we don't know what type of lawyer is. Isn't he, like, criminal defense? Like, he's not, like, a divorce lawyer. He's defense, yeah. They reveal it at the end. They reveal it at the end. He's yeah. a defense lawyer. I guess just that he knows other good lawyers, or all lawyers are good at family law. I don't know. <laughs> yeah yeah i i did like the she uh she does a lot of scheming in this scene she hides those golf clubs to convince stevie that they've been uh taken away and that the husband is scheming to get rid of stevie when it's actually her just being a horrible person that she is throughout this movie and she gives him the thinnest water bills i have ever seen in any movie as a bribe to like oh i'll i'll pay you this money to do this thing with me and it's it's so thin it's like there are like five bills in that water of bills it's it's com it's so comedic and they focus in on it when it comes out you shouldn't show it if it's that little it's it just makes this whole thing seem like a joke at and that she point says that she's just handed him like three thousand dollars too so it should be like a stack of like 30 bills or something i don't know yeah she yeah yeah, and they are hundred dollar bills. It's it says so on the top. So and I that's not that's not three thousand dollars, but I guess we we learn later on that Stevie Stevie has some issues regarding understanding things. So maybe you know maybe he just doesn't get that this isn't three thousand dollars and he thinks it's three thousand. He doesn't know how to count. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a very brutal way of putting it. But yeah, something like that. So 
uh, Stevie's like, uh, I guess I'll help you. What do you have in mind? And then she's like, well, if I could get my daughter to win a competition, then we'll move to L.A. Um, and we'll start a new life, me and my kids and the money she gets from the competition. So you need to make sure that one of the other competitors doesn't show up because she'll definitely win if this one other girl doesn't show up. Yeah, yeah she, like, she has, is that true? Yeah, she has clearly scoped out the competition throughout the whole thing, not just, you know, focusing on this one girl. And, you know, she clearly knows her stuff. She's a reasonable human being, as we know. <laughs> so he's like, wait, are you asking me to, like, hurt a little girl? I don't know how to do that. And she's like, oh, no, you misunderstand. I just want to make sure she does, doesn't make it. So you yeah she says like, okay. she says you just need to delay her a little bit and yeah and it's like do you want me to slash her tires I don't you need to be a little clearer what you want me to do yeah but she he's okay after that though she does kind of blackmail him into it by mentioning his probation and how like uh, his her husband is going to get him caught if if he doesn't do this or something of the like yeah. And it's like, in the end, it turns out she doesn't actually have anything on him and he's in the clear. But it does make me wonder what the terms of his probation were. Yeah. Is he living outside of the area that he's supposed to? Is he not checking in with his probation? No, but like, in the Indian, the yeah, because this confused me too, because in the end, the husband says, you are, oh, he's not on probation anymore or parole anymore. And I was just... I was so confused. What has he been? Has he been visiting like a ghost office this entire time? Because he needs to check in, or what? What is going on? So this is why I'm pretty sure that he also couldn't count the three thousand dollars. That was not three thousand dollars, clearly. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's being blackmailed, and he believes it, and he's gonna get money for his mother-in-law, um, because he and Alba are married. And Alba's mom is sick. Um, and then, is there anything else going on with the poor mom? No, not uh, with the bad mom. Yeah, no, after this, they just uh, meet up in like a diner or something. They have to talk oh, right. about what their backstories are. Yeah, it's funny because at this point, Jeanette has already explained her backstory in a mix of the kitchen scene and the scene with her husband, and now she's doing it again with the poor mom, so now the poor mom knows her backstory, but the audience has been there twice. But I love this scene uh, because it's uh, Beverly Mitchell who plays the good mom. She's pulling some yeah. very Rachel Bloom-esque amaze faces when she's being told about how awesome Christina Cox's life has been, and I just love, I love those shots of her being like, oh, every time she says something. <laughs> well, it's especially funny because Every time she's, like, giving a line of dialogue, she is making, like, a big face. Like, I am really reacting. Yeah. And yeah. then the rest of the time, her face is completely dead. Yeah. And yes. her eye line is never at the right place. I don't know if she was given bad direction or if the angles of the cameras are off. But she, throughout the entire movie, it looks like she's, instead of looking straight ahead of her, looking slightly to the left and down. Maybe. And it's like, what's on the ground that you keep looking at? <laughs> Why can't you look people in the eye? 
Yeah, maybe it's where the teleprompter was. I think that might yeah, be. Yeah, probably. It's probably to memorize the lines. <laughs> so this is this scene is kind of the only point in this entire movie where I was like actively somewhat thinking about the themes or what this movie is about. But I mean, I kind of gave up after this because it doesn't it's not about anything. But so the de the deadly dance mom Jeanette she has an ex excuse for everything. Everything that something happens, she just says. Oh, these people oh these people it's always you know not about her and then in this in this scene she has that line we all have to look at our past but you know it's kind of ironic because her problem is that she's not actually looking at her past but she's just resenting and dismissing the thought of that past existing in a sense and that's like the only time i was actually thinking about like what's going on with these characters what are what are what is this movie trying to sh say to us but yeah, clearly it doesn't actually matter at the end in any way, but yeah. No. <laughs> um, is the next... Oh, actually, one, one more thing about this this restaurant scene, because it dro drove me nuts. There is Italian background music, but on the wall there is a Hawaii-esque wall painting of waves, and I was very confused. Yeah. Also, it was funny because I thought, oh, the rich mom is treating everyone to food. So I thought it was going to be like a slightly nicer restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And then true. we go inside <laughs> yeah. and it's not a nice restaurant. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> and also, also it does, like, I yet again, this is a scene of people eating without anything on their plates. Just wine on the bad mom's uh, glass. <laughs> it's so funny when the two daughters go off to the restroom. And uh, the bad mom is giving her whole exposition of her past. She's, like, drinking wine. And the good mom's like, okay, yeah, you just carry around a small bottle of wine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's after that, I think that then we get, like, more se scenes of uh, bad mom scheming. She looks at that website for a storage co unit company. And it that website looks like garbage. And that's great because that... That website would look like garbage. I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah, small businesses don't usually put a lot of money into like design and websites. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting because her like the discussion that they have with the dad upstairs uh, before is that the dad gives the ultimatum that if uh, our daughter doesn't win this contest then I'm going to you know, we're not going to use any more money on her dance stuff. So the mom's solution to this is to use a shit ton of money to, like, make this weird trap ultimatum thing that she's doing. So, like, I think that check in the end was for $20,000, so that's not gonna solve, that wouldn't solve, you know, she's already used probably, like, 5000 maybe 6000 to pull this off. So, what is going, what is she doing? <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it's her, uh, her drive to win rather than the reasonable like response to the ultimatum that is driving her at this point yeah and and let's be honest she's probably got her own separate bank account that she's been you know skimming from the family account for a while so she probably has a, a oh, yeah. little bit of money on the side <laughs> yeah one would hope though she does several times say that uh when uh, her husband divorces her she he'll be he'll leave her with nothing but I think that's just her uh, trying to get people on her side in this matter. Yeah. Um, 
And also, uh, in this scene, she I think this is the scene where she also talks to Alba to get her to write, like be okay with the fact that Stevie is going to be doing some weird stuff in this movie. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm throwing a surprise uh, birthday party for um, my husband, so if we act weird, just go with it. Yeah, because, you know, th that's very reasonable, because they are clearly a loving married couple throughout this movie. The housekeeper would certainly think that this is totally normal, that she's throwing this party. Yeah, I, I do think that this woman is, is very good at scheming. She does a lot of work. You know, she's making a catering appointment so that the poor mom won't be available the day of the competition. Okay, I, yeah, yes, I, I need, I need to talk about this catering appointment, and also there's another appointment she makes later with a divorce attorney, and she, when she makes the catering appointment, she just calls and says that I need to cater a party, and it'll be at this hour, she never gives a location, she never gives a name, and then, well, she does give a fake name, but she never gives a location, like an address where they could actually go with the stuff, and then, Later on, she books the uh, divorce attorney, and she just calls the office and says, I would like to talk to a divorce attorney. And then they say, oh, next Wednesday at this time. And she says, yes. And then she hangs up. So what? what is this world? Why is no one asking for details on any of this stuff? Well, uh, it's just I'm uh, As a logistics expert, I'm very confused about all of this. Just no absolute nonsense. I know, at least when the caterer hangs up, he should be like, all right, I'll be calling you back for, for details. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I also love that uh, Jeanette does, when she calls the caterer, she says, uh, instead of appetizers, she says appies. And that is maybe the most shudder-inducing word I have heard in a long time, is calling appetizers appies. <laughs> is that because it sounds so much like the word nappies? I, I very much hope so, yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah, yeah she like yeah she schemes about she makes that appetizer call and then she drops off some those golf clubs into a clothing collection box i guess i love that scene because she's like wearing sunglasses and a beanie and she's like don't look at me and i need to disguise myself even though i have like this enormous car that says dance mom one all over it <laughs> don't yeah, know that yeah. it's me please <laughs> Yeah, and well, and that's her. I think her. she like goes out of town to do it. Like she's, they show her on a, like an interstate to get there, and it's like I don't think you needed to go quite that far. Yeah, why would you need to drop them into a clothing collection box? Is also kind of puzzling. You think golf clubs in a clothing collection box would like that's that's gonna draw some, draw some attention, but you know if you would have dropped them into a ditch, no one would have given a shit. But now you've now you've done it. Now you've really done it. But I do, I like these scenes of scheming because there are a lot of times that the captions just said ominous music in this movie, but especially oh during this goodness. part. There's so much ominous music. And <laughs> it was funny, my, when my sister got home, I was like, okay, so I'm not going to make you watch the entire movie, but I do want you to see some key scenes because this movie is crazy. And so when I would try to find the next scene, like it would just be so much music. And she's like, oh my gosh, I hate this music. It's the same music over and over again. <laughs> so much music yeah absolutely 
but yeah they she schemes and that's it for that part i think she just yeah. does stuff and we don't know anything about what she's doing and that's i kind of like it i like the fact that they don't reveal what the evil plan is just that she's doing some bad stuff and like it builds tension but then in a later scene they'll reveal it in a very much so not interesting way so it just doesn't that build never goes anywhere it's really disappointing yeah i think we're at my favorite scene i'm not sure is this the the next scene where they're she's with her family in the dining room and uh her daughter gets all her cookies oh no it's it's not quite yet i think it's like there's one thing in between here which is more kind of more scheming but i do want to highlight it because it's uh the bad dance mom takes uh her daughter and the good dance mom's daughter to get some smoothies after the dance class mm -hmm. and that's when she has the conversation about oh you should come to storage unit in the middle in, in the morning someday but uh she wants a double wheatgrass smoothie and i was i just thought i should ask someone is is that a thing that exists yeah so wheatgrass is uh, uh i guess just the not grain part but the grass part of wheat <laughs> what what <laughs> that's I, think, that's... I don't know i don't know what oh, wheatgrass God. is it might just be like a different type of grass and you you blend it with other stuff like you might with like kale or other salad fixings into a well smoothie. yeah yeah i guess it was we, big in the early aughts mm. in like gyms oh jesus uh, that sounds yeah that sounds like a thing okay so <laughs> after like after big in, like you know new york and la everyone else in the country was like that is nasty we're not drinking that <laughs> yeah apparently not chicago though still going strong in 2017 when this movie yeah. was made so yeah she uh, yeah she asks uh, it's this scene where she talks to the uh, uh good dance mom's daughter when her daughter is away getting the smoothies that she says like oh i have all these clothes in this uh, uh storage unit somewhere you should really come there and i'll give you some dance clothes for free and that's a that's a thing that's some setup for the future yeah it was funny because when i watched that i was like oh okay i get it the daughter is gonna go to the storage facility and then instead of like picking up clothes there and then going on to the competition she's gonna be just thrown into the storage unit and locked in there and then the mom's gonna leave um yeah but that's not what happens yeah so that is that absolutely not what happens yeah i i think the whole point was just to be like we have a secret appointment and you can't tell your mom where you're gonna be in the morning oh god she can she ever not it. tell her mom there's so many see, uh, bits in this movie where she says you cannot did you you didn't tell your mom right you can't tell your mom about this you really can't tell your mom oh you didn't tell your mom yet oh that's good there's so much of that in this movie. It's ridiculous. You would, she would totally suspect something the sixth time it happens within like two days. Yeah, this girl is super trusting. And I wrote down like, don't go alone with someone unless your parent knows. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is like an important message. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this movie doesn't children. care about important messages too much, I gotta say. <laughs> So yeah, before yeah, the daughter we is get... like, oh, cool, clothes, yeah, I totally yeah. believe you. Yeah, 
but before we get the cookie scene, there's the actual arguing scene with the good mom and the good daughter. Except before that, uh, there's a, there's a, this throwaway shot that really bothered me. It's about when, after they've gotten the smoothies, for some reason, uh, the good daughter gets into Beth's car and she's like, can we get some tacos and nachos? And then there's, during that shot, they're shooting it from the outside of the car, but the camera zooms in on Beth's head, not the face, just the side of her head. And it's like someone fell asleep with a button pressed down or something. It's so disturbing. And it goes, it's like a two second shot and it's just baffling. I, I really didn't get it, not one bit. There's a lot of weird, there's a lot of weirdness. And it's funny because I don't know like a lot about movies. So when a scene ends and another scene begins, I never think about it until I'm watching a made for TV movie. And then like, we don't go from one scene to the next quick enough. And then I'm like, why are we still here? What are we doing? Or we'll ha go to the next scene and we'll have an establishing shot for like 30 seconds, it feels like. And you're like, I get it. This shot is established, just move on. It's so yeah. strange because like, I never think about it until I'm watching one of these movies. And then it's like, but why? Why are I, you doing I what you're doing? I take it that the obvious answer to that is probably that ad time is X and we need to fill Y time because, you know, ads, I guess. But it does, I have to say though, I was surprised there was only one fade to black in this movie in the version I watched on YouTube rental thing. So I guess they cut out a lot of the like points where there would be commercials because usually you get that like cut the black and then fade back up afterwards. But not yeah. in this movie. Yeah, this movie didn't have too much of the oh, there's an ad, there's an ad feeling. That's yeah. True. Yeah, but then they they have the conflict in the uh, in the apartment between uh, Melanie and uh, Beth here. But I get we kind of talked about that already, right? Yeah, it's just a quick blow up about the fact that Melanie's not doing her homework, and then uh, Beth is like, "You need to look for your future," and then. Melanie's like, well, are you sad that your life turned out the way it did and that you had me and that kind of thing? And as such, then, then Melanie goes into the shower, not turning the shower on, but just goes to sit in the shower and eat her necklace, which was kind of gross as a person with a slight aversion to jewelry in general. I was just kind of like, mm, mm that's, mm, I can live without that shot. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that that bothered me, but... If you already think jewelry is like likely to pick up just grossness from your life, then I can see that that would be disturbing. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was. But then we get to the cookie scene. Now you get which to which is my favorite scene. Yes. <laughs> so they're eating dinner. Alba has made cookies. Uh, she walks in with a plate. The fourteen-year-old daughter is super excited. She picks up a cookie. The mom is like really drunk and the dad has already like called her out on it i think um or no maybe that's later maybe yeah it's later where he's yeah okay. she's drinking but he's it's like a normal amount of drunk so everyone's fine and i mean it's in this scene but yes later on in this scene he called right. her out for that um and then <laughs> she is like we can't have cookies what did i say about carbs and so she like sends alba away 
and then sees that her daughter is still holding a cookie and she grabs the cookie and she throws it in the air and it lands perfectly into this like fishbowl off to the side of the room that yeah. you didn't even know was there <laughs> and it is this movie is shot in a way that you never actually see the full like geography of any place that that the people are in Ex no. yeah no you don't you actually don't none of the locations except maybe like a car the basic four seat car that yeah. that one you get a hand of handle of but everything else is so abstracted that you could she could really literally throw it to the side and like we could see a shot of the cookie monster eating it and i would not be surprised <laughs> who knows what's at the edges of those seeds like yeah it could be like a dumpster from outside like there's no actual wall there who knows yeah like we have oh, no oh, sense of the geography of this house oh just imagine that scene where she throws the cookie and then we cut to this like big new york style dumpster that's open the cookie lands on the lid then it falls down and then the, then the lid falls down behind it uh that's so it would be so perfect yeah <laughs> and then you hear like a cat going in the yeah, yeah. Background. yes exactly <laughs> oh, it's it's so silly and then we cut back and then in the process of like grabbing this cookie she's knocked over a glass of water and it's all over her husband and then alba does that thing where she's like panicked and like blotting at his lap with a napkin and it's like just hand him the napkin don't ever blot at anyone's crotch area like just don't do that i know you're yeah. trying to be helpful but it's never helpful and i so gotta say this is the scene yeah and i this this when he snaps it at her and afterwards well alba goes away and then the bad mom says you are now you're going and terrifying the help i was just yeah. fucking i groaned audibly because calling Calling your, like, uh, housekeeper the help is, that is so 1950s, it's, it is unbelievable. Uh. <laughs> also, another one of my favorite things is, like, when Alba, like, sh scuttles out of the room all scared with the two children, she's carrying the fish, and she just seems, like, so protective of this little fish. <laughs> it's so adorable. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's okay, fish, I know you were startled by this giant cookie all okay now <laughs> i gotta say that fish is probably not gonna live too long that fishbowl was really small and it was full of pebbles it was like two-thirds of it were pebbles of different colors yeah and like i don't know i think it might have been like a fighter fish or a beta fish and it might have been okay without a filter but like there was no movement of that water i'm pretty sure it's gonna like <laughs> yeah they probably went to like there was a carnival like a few blocks down the street they went and just got one of those baggies and then uh -huh. dumped it into the bowl and that's it that's the prop department for this movie yeah <laughs> um so yeah then they have this big blow up um he's like you know you're always drunk and she's like you're always like insulting me in front of the kids and then it it comes out that like she's on some sort of medication and it sounds like she has a mental health issue and i was like why like yeah I could this so is much this enjoy yeah. this movie if we didn't go down that route and this uh, these kinds of movies have like a terrible way of like just being awful when it comes to like mental health issues it's always like oh the person's bad but like the person's bad because they have a mental health issue of some sort yeah, the fact that they don't specify it, like, it really grinds my gears. It's, like, it's, this is super, like, very 90s approach to this type of thing, to just have a blanket motive of mental health issue for all of the antagonist's horrible behavior. It's just, 
This is the second time I audibly groaned and it was in the same goddamn scene. <laughs> yeah. Same and then I almost things. groaned. Yeah, then I almost groaned a third time when I noticed that the dad has a blue shirt that's like two sizes too big and it kind of looks terrible. I know, he he always looks not quite like a lawyer. <laughs> His costuming, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like one of those, uh, like, you know, in, like, Arrested Development, there's that family lawyer. Like, I could maybe believe <laughs> someone very cheap and very poor, but this guy's, like, supposed to be a partner of a big firm and a defense attorney. So it's, uh, yeah, maybe not so not so much. Oh boy. Well, they they agree on that on this conver conversation. They agree to get a divorce finally, or not agree, but the dad says we're getting a divorce. So that's a revelation. Yeah, and then I guess the next scene is when she is like online trying to research divorces, and then yeah, and she calls the attorney to get that time without giving her name. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then the next scene, we see Stevie putting on a fake mustache, right? It is fucking incredible. I mm, well, it's it's first, it's it's them going over the evil scheme oh, right. before that. So she she just uh, tells Stevie like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna drive here. You're gonna get this girl and chloroform her, and uh, you're gonna be wearing this mustache and all that." And there's like so little. There's no impact in this scene. This is like the revelation of the first forty-five minutes of this movie is revealing what the evil plot is and there's no there's no panache or oomph to this it's just like here it is okay i'm explaining it to this one person and that that's all there's really nothing special about it i feel like that's isn't that essentially what all tv movies are is this scene yep <laughs> it would have been better if she just like started scheming and then we didn't hear like the specifics because we're gonna see it anyways there's no yeah because like then then it would have some impact yeah. but now it really super doesn't it just has a like an okay build and then nothing because they just reveal everything it's oh it's so it's so disappointing uh, mm, yeah but yeah then we get that awesome scene of stevie putting on his fucking magnum pi mustache and a sailor cap <laughs> it's a plus on my oh books my I love his disguise so much. He looks like the world's shittiest, like, pilot. <laughs> and that mustache yeah. is so fake. <laughs> and he has, yeah, other, it is. he has other um, facial hair, so it, it stands out even more than it would on a regular person <laughs> who's clean-shaven. Yeah, and it's, it's, so, it's so, like, striking because they even, they have a scene where he puts it on and he stares at himself in the mirror for the longest time. <laughs> it's like they're calling attention to it. They're supposed to be, we're supposed to be as an audience being like, oh, is Stevie going to go through with it? He's obviously like feeling conflicted, but all you're thinking about is like, he can't possibly be using that mustache. Is he, is he really going to use yeah. that mustache? He can't be. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is an insane costume to put on for that. Oh, yeah. So then he gets okay. like the limousine uh, and he goes to uh Beth's apartment. Beth has already left to go to work. And then Melanie goes downstairs. And as she's coming downstairs, he's pouring chloroform onto a handkerchief. But he's pouring it from in like, front such of a his crazy, face. <laughs> yeah, in front of his face. 
sitting in the car, and he's pouring it from a crazy height. Like, I would just put the handkerchief on top of the chloroform and then, like, you know, do a quick flip around, you know? But he's, yeah, like, because when you try to pour it from, like, five inches above the handkerchief. Yes, as a person with a degree in healthcare, I can tell you that that much chloroform is going to cause very serious permanent brain damage on that girl. Oh, no. and, and on him, on him as well, because he's pouring it in front of his face <laughs> into this napkin. It is ridiculous. And then he, like, pours it all over his body by accident. And, uh, yeah, and then the girl, the girl is like, the girl is like, what is the smell in this car? <laughs> it is terrible. Yeah, and he's like, let me buckle you in. And she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then as he reaches over, he, like, smothers her face with the chloroform handkerchief. And she uh, passes out. And then he Immediately. drives off. It is so fa- It's the fastest acting chloroform. But I guess, yeah, it, at that portion, yes, she would die at about that speed. <laughs> yes, but she doesn't die, so that's the problem. But, yeah. Um... In fact, he doesn't give her enough because she ends up waking up pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very weird. But I guess it might not be chloroform. There's that scene where uh, the scene where they explain the scheme. Uh, she, Jeanette does give him the bottle and says, "Oh, this is just the this is the funny stuff you get at the dentist. The kids love it." And I guess yeah, dentists don't use chloroform. But what what is it? It's in a bottle. It's not a gas or anything. Right. I don't. I really don't. I have no idea. It's like what dentist are you going to? Because my dentist yeah. doesn't give me that. <laughs> it's the old timey one that rubs whiskey on your gums and tells you <laughs> tells you that it's all better now. <laughs> they like give you ether to like knock you out. <laughs> you save a lot of money. Going yeah, it to might be ether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then now we get to the thrilling climax of this movie, and I looked at the time, and there were like 40 minutes, 45 minutes left of this movie, and I was I was so confused, because this is clearly the climax of the movie, and it goes on and on for so long. <laughs> it, like, moves at such a good pace up until this point, like, you know, I a lot of these movies have a, a problem where they, like, you can skip the first 20 minutes because the first 20 minutes is like setting up who each character is and what they're doing and it, it, it's so because it's so formulaic you need to spend like a certain amount of time on this and a certain amount of time on that but this movie moved pretty quickly and then you're right it just slows right down as soon as we get to the actual conflict <laughs> yeah the action scenes yeah. like this is the action scenes it's the most boring part of this entire movie yeah <laughs> And this is, I like now that, you know, he starts drawing the limousine to get to the storage unit where he's going to dump the girl. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he he calls Jeanette on multiple occasions, even before the girl wakes up from the chloroform or whatever it was. And at this point, I noticed that he kind of lets his accent go on like every once in a while. It's weird because it's a super thick accent so you notice it, it immediately when it's gone yeah. so like i bet that the people shooting this also noticed but they didn't want to take a second take because who knows maybe they were in a rush they only had that limousine for the day so they really had to do everything they could to just keep it moving i, I will say if if it was only for a day they did do a hell of a lot with it yeah <laughs> because they actually they did have to i bet that those all those uh, tacky stickers that were on the windows and stuff, those were not there when they got that limousine. Yeah. 
because that's exactly the type of solution like some very uh, poor prop department would go to to make something look like a rental. Mm -hmm. It's just put personal limousine services on the windows or whatever it says. But um, the girl wakes up and manages to send a text to her mom that says, help mom. Um, and then the mom calls the cops and then she's like, ah, it'll take too long. And then she has an app on her phone that is able to find um, other people's phones if they're like synced together or whatever. So then she's able to like yeah. take off after the limousine. But the I gotta say the nine one one operator in this scene, in that scene where she calls the cops is kind of like not doing anything. He's just kind of like what what? It's like he just woke up or something. Uh, I can I can understand why she's very frustrated and decides to do this on her own because w what is what is that guy even doing in that phone? Uh, but uh, there's a so yeah. But at this point, we basically have three different like stories going at once. So we have the whole uh, limousine. We have the bad dance mom taking her daughter to the contest, and then we've got. <laughs> My favorite, which is uh, scenes of the teacher Gabby talking to people at the registration desk because and being worried that her girls are not there. And I like the fact that she, in this scene, she just looks like an elderly goth lady and she pulls that look off pretty well. Yeah. I could appreciate that. I mean, elderly is, is, is not quite accurate. She's more like middle-aged, like... 50 year old well like <laughs> yeah yeah but the whole idea of like someone going that heavy in the goth line at like an age that is past 30 i think is pretty admirable yeah. and the fact that she looks looks very good in it is even more admirable yeah so yeah at this point the movie kind of starts to go on autopilot in a sense mm -hmm. it's just they're just chasing each other like the good mom is chasing the limousine, and uh, then the was it Stevie calls the bad mom, and then the bad mom is like, "Oh, I need to come there, right?" Yeah. Um, Stevie is like, "I'm being followed by a white car. I think it's uh the girl's mom. By the way, the girl's awake." And then um, Jeanette's like, "Oh, I have to do everything. Let me get rid of my kid, and then I'll take care of the mom. You just continue on to the storage unit." And the girl has her headphones on, so she doesn't hear the conversation. And she's like, we're going to be late, and you can't pull off. And then she's like, we get to have food. And then she's like, okay, I'll go eat food at the mall, and I'm sure my friends will be there too. And then Yeah, she does say so-and-so uh, -so is going is there right now. How great. And that's <laughs> that's the moment that I was finally like, yeah, that was right. She really she doesn't just... care that much about this dance thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it was weird because, like, I don't know if she just, like, likes to argue with her mom in general but like five like a full second before she was like we can't be late to the competition you're ruining everything yeah yeah it's it's very there's a lot of perplexing arcs with characters in this movie overall yeah but she gets rid this, of her daughter yeah and now we get my favorite uh cgi well my second favorite cgi shot in this movie which is a top-down shot of uh her big ass car. What 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 was it called? Um, the car? I think it's an it was a. Yeah, so she drives this big Escalade between cars. It's a top down shot that lasts for about like two seconds. 
the car just swerves in between cars and it's so obvious that it's just a shot of some traffic somewhere and then they cgi the black car on top of it not that well it's it's very unrealistic the movements of it and there's no texture on it barely so it just it's it's the first time this movie goes really heavy in cgi and oh it's it's worth it <laughs> just as the one that's coming up is worth it as well it's funny because it's like did you really need to establish that this woman's a crazy driver before like oh i'm so glad earlier they showed me her acting this way when she was trying to get to the triads otherwise i wouldn't have believed it now <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah she finally has it so that like all three of these cars the limo the little white car and the escalator are all following each other and uh the mom is like following the limo which is kind of like slowly swerving back and forth and it's like there's no one else on the yeah, road yeah, it's, and it's a long yeah. road and you can definitely see him there's no need to be like i need to be in total lockstep with this guy just driving all over the road <laughs> Yeah, but I she has like she's supposed to be very anguished about the fact that her daughter is being kidnapped, and like her eyes project worry. But when she's screaming like "Oh, I'm gonna get you," it's like she's it sounds like she's mildly annoyed at like getting the wrong coffee at Starbucks or something <laughs> rather than actually chasing someone who kidnapped her child. Yeah, I've been angrier in traffic than this woman has been, like, trying to get her daughter back from a kidnapper. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, it's where, yeah. And we get more scenes of her in front of a screen <laughs> driving, and yes, she starts- so many scenes, I love it. <laughs> and she starts doing that thing where she's like, I mean, at first she was swerving back and forth, then we see her driving- like mostly straight and then a little to the left and she's doing that thing with the steering wheel where it's like back and forth back and forth back and forth real quick <laughs> yeah yeah and you can just see that the limousine is going like 20 miles per mm -hmm. hour there's really no need to be swerving in any direction right now no. but she sure is <laughs> and then the escalade bumps her and she hits into a pole and i think the the best CGI moment happens. Would you say yes, this absolutely. Is the best? This is the this is the greatest CGI I've seen this year. I am <laughs> I am very impressed at everything that was going on here. <laughs> the wind windshield cracks, but they don't want to actually damage this car, so they just put like a CGI overlay on top of the image. Yeah, and it's it pops out out of nowhere. It's like they had opacity at zero, then they cranked it up to 100, yeah. and there was one frame in between there. <laughs> and then that inflating airbag comes out, and it's obviously just Beverly Mitchell throwing her hands up and leaning back as it, they animate a round object in front of her. <laughs> it's, it's very perplexing as, yeah... I just love that shot. It was everything I would have hoped for and more. I mean, it really does look like the people from Birdemic or something animated this. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah. I wish there was a bit more of that. Me and too. also, I guess that it was... I don't understand why they needed to have this shot. Because they clearly did drive a car, like, right next to some pole somewhere. Because they do, like, t dig her out of it and stuff. So why not just shoot it from the side and, like, puff a little smoke up or something? Why have this shot from the front of the car 
on a green screen already and then project more CGI onto that. It makes it's just the worst choice you could have made. <laughs> but I guess it's just the whole thing about not having time and having to do stunts really fast. So that's probably the easiest way to do a stunt is to lean back in a chair. So yeah. So now Beth is a little bit out of it and um, they drag her out of the car and they chloroform her too. And then they shove her into the back of the limousine and they re-chloroform the girl. Um, yeah. And this is the scene I was a bit confused about because I guess I didn't notice that they re-chloroformed the girl because I was so sure that like she would now know who kidnapped her. But then I guess she does know. So she does see Jeanette outside the car. She does. But yeah. I totally missed. Yeah. I totally missed that somehow, so I was very confused when they cut to the storage unit and she was asleep. I was like, oh, did she fall asleep in between? But no, they <laughs> no, yeah, they her. That makes more her. sense. And um, Stevie and Jeanette have an argument. Um, and she's like, I'll tell the cops that uh, if this was all your doing, if you try to go back on it now. So he put them both in the storage unit. Um and he's like, you're crazy. And she's like, don't call me crazy or something. <laughs> and then she leaves to pick her daughter back up so that they can go to the competition. And then Stevie puts them into a storage unit together. And he is about to leave. And he feels bad. So he decides to go back to tell them, don't worry, someone's going to come back for you, I guess. Or Yeah, I really I didn't know. know what he was doing because he clearly he was not going to let them go at that moment, but I guess he felt bad. But I don't like there's a certain finality to it, this because when he goes in there and drops them off and comes out, he doesn't close the big door that is leading to that area. But then when he heads back, he does close it. So it's like I thought he was going to go kill them or something because there's such a finality to this. Like he's closing the door so no one can see inside and all that stuff but then he he's just like oh we're gonna i'm gonna get some people here you're gonna be fine it's cool it's cool and then well then all this beating up happens yeah it's it's weird because like he's he's taken off guard by the fact that they're awake and then he makes it seem like i just wanted to tell you everything was going to be okay and it's like you can't tell unconscious people that so what were you really going to do <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a very good point <laughs> well on so the bright bad. side they were yeah on the bright side they were prepared to do what is necessary in this point so oh, they just start beating the living shit out of stevie who's <laughs> very innocent so in this whole thing <laughs> it's it's the it's i i kind of i would have liked this scene a lot but then they kind of blow it with the uh, the adr on this because all the hits just sound exactly the same. It's a very muted thud of sorts. So he, there's like a nut shot and it's just a very muted thud. It's it's so boring. They should It should really be like have a nutcracker or something. I don't know. Just anything other than a muted thud I could have done with. But <laughs> I, I just, I, I almost wanted this movie to be like from Stevie's perspective and it's just called like Stevie's Bad Day or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> And <laughs> he's just like whimpering and saying I, I, I over and over again in a very stereotypical way. And it is the group. Yeah, it is horrible. I hated it so much when he said it. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, it really does feel like it's from 
like a, it's almost like a home home alone level of like violence here. It's so goofy. Yeah, if home if you know Macaulay Culkin was attacked by Mexican stereotypes, yeah. then yes, yes, it might be very similar. <laughs> so then they leave him in a storage locker, and then they run to the front, and the side door is locked. So the girl's like, "Let me kick at it," and it doesn't do anything. And then the mom notices the big rolly door and is able to open that up. And they take the limousine and they call the cops. And they're like, "But we're not going to come in yet because we want to do the competition." And they're like. Really? <laughs> yeah, the, I love the 911 operator here. The previous one was kind of so-and-so, but this guy is so on point when they say, my daughter has a dance competition, and he's just like, uh, well, <laughs> I I like that. I love that part, yeah. He's like, you should probably go to the hospital. <laughs> and they're yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, <laughs> really should. It's and then I love the it's right around here when well it's them it's during when they drive to the dance competition that uh you know melanie the daughter has undergone a kidnapping and then uh i think it's after the 911 call uh beth calls gabby and it's like we're coming we're coming and then gabby asks is melanie okay and the mom goes never been better and hopeful music plays and I just about died at that point because what the hell are you talking about? Your daughter has been kidnapped <laughs> and you just beat some guy up in a storage unit and he, she's never been better. What is your life until this point? <laughs> she's going to use it in that dance, though. <laughs> she's going to bring that yeah, I, to the mm, dance. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a very gritty dance when we see it. <laughs> oh, boy. And then uh, we cut to the competition. Um, the bad mom and the daughter are there and well they managed to come a little bit before this and the the coach is like oh where's the other girl and she's like oh i don't know she wasn't there and then the dad like he's been getting a phone call from alba because alba got a phone call from stevie and she doesn't exactly know what's going on but she's concerned so she's called the dad so now the dad's there to like question Danette in the auditorium and um they uh the police are there and the lethal crime unit is here yes <laughs> i missed that line the lethal crime yeah unit. <sighs> they they looked like someone wanted to do like a quick comedy sketch of like cop not a cop or something <laughs> like one guy's in his leather jacket the other guy like i looks real serious with yeah. his face but in like a kind of ridiculous way like i'm just gonna like like narrow my eyes at you and like look really concerned what's going on and all the uh all the uniformed cops have these amazing mounty headgears like it's it's a big 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 hat of sorts and i it was a thing to behold there was there's a lot of good costuming during this climax because you've got you know that one detective with the sick leather jacket and (laughs) The dad actually has this amazing uh, jacket that's like a v-neck with big braided button things. It looks like he came out of like some medieval fair or something. It's really interesting choice for the man with the big shirts to wear, be wearing this jacket as well. I know, he looks like he's wearing like a Land's End catalog jumper kind of thing. <laughs> 
that is a very specific reference. I do not know his Finnish person, but I bet he does. <laughs> it's like posh outdoor wear, I guess. Is what I'm yeah. Saying. Or LLB. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so we. It's weird because yeah, the cops are like, they want to get a statement from her, and she's like, I don't want to talk to you. I just want to watch my daughter dance. And uh, they're like, oh yeah, here's the um husband of the woman who's responsible for this let him come over and we can all talk together we don't need to get separate statements from them like take them two apart in any way it's not like maybe he might be involved in some way it's all good <laughs> like really yeah like i i would i kind of buy this though because it's exactly the type of dumb shit you read about afterwards that like oh yeah we, we just didn't know what to do we just took them all to this chair storage out back and uh talked to them all yeah that's what we did uh, it's very believable in a sense but it is not very sound lo logically but <laughs> i would believe that cops did that at some point i would really believe that and then they want to get um a confession out of jeanette and um beth says i have an idea and then we look at one of the cops' faces, and he's like, yeah. And he doesn't say anything, but he nods. And then we look at another <laughs> yeah. cop's face, and she's like, yeah. And she's, like, nodding. And then we look at another cop's face, and we're like, okay, everyone's on board. Cool. Is someone going to start it's talking? A, no. Yeah, it's a real, okay. real uh, Zachary Abrams-type uh, gag at that yeah. point. They're just panning across all faces and the until the, in the end there's a pirate that says Arr. I know I would have yeah. loved it if they just like kept panning and it was like a bunch of random characters we had never seen before and, and then the fish the again fish for comes some up reason again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the, uh, during all of this there we finally get to see the performance of uh, Sarah the bad dance mom's daughter and she also gets to see it and I, I guess that the dad might have had a point when he said that she's probably not going to win this competition <laughs> because she does pirouettes and rolls around on the ground and does one high kick and that's her thing. Like I, I kind of got. I don't know much about dance. I really don't. But I kind of got the impression that this would probably not be the best performance of like any dance thing. Certainly not one with like fourteen year olds who have been doing it all their lives. Yeah, and the daughter even says like I didn't do well, but it seems like the choreography was mostly at fault here it wasn't like an required yeah, lot of work <laughs> there is no there really doesn't feel like there is any choreogra choreography because all she does is get on stage two pirouettes and roll around on the ground like i said it's it's really uh, it's yeah yeah i guess it's not it's gabby's fault yeah that old gosh she was she was busy going to hot topics so she couldn't couldn't, couldn't make a choreography yeah <laughs> And that now there's this amazing bit here because the uh, so Melanie's like getting dressed or something so she can't go on stage yet and the host has to stall oh my gosh, I love and he that. starts talking about how hot it is in here. It's like the hot fire of 1871 and that is the tackiest thing you could say and it is so on point. I love <laughs> this script was amazing at those moments when it needed to be very tacky on on point because it really was. And he keeps talking about how hot it is in here and doing like quips and bits about it. It's it's, it's ridiculous. I mm, I love that host. I should there should be a like a mockumentary following him around yeah. or something because that's that's the does, star of the movie right there. He does all of the events locally. You know, he does the the little pageants like beauty pageants and 
dance competitions and dog shows, and he does the yeah. same pattern all yeah. the time. Like, is it just me or is it so hot in here? <laughs> Chicago, am I right? Place of Fires, yeah. 1871, am I right? That guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, he was alive back then. Uh, it's like okay, so such a terrible. Why would you choose a tragedy to <laughs> talk about how hot it is? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, and it, especially because it really, it really doesn't look that hot. It looks like a nice air conditioned auditorium or something. So like, mm, I guess it, there's a lot of people there, so maybe it's really is hot there. But yeah, it just sounds like it's his bit that he's been doing for 20 years whenever he needs to stall is talk about how hot it is in here like in 1871 and it's mm, it's it's perfect he's like what do i know about chicago um um uh oh i can't talk about baseball or hot dogs or anything like that that'll be too divisive let me talk about a fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, everyone loves the fire everyone warmly remembers it because it's so hot it was so hot back then yeah Okay, so the, I guess they were waiting on un, waiting until they got the confession before Melanie could dance because that's what happens next is they get the confession, which is not as clever a scene as I would have hoped. Yeah. And, like, what does Jeanette say? I think all Jeanette say, says is, like, I should have taken care of your daughter when I had the chance, which sounds like yeah, a death like threat, but it doesn't sound like she's actually responsible for the kidnapping. But she just comes in there and it's like she she sees uh, Beth and is immediately starts babbling about her plan. It's it's just really weird. Like I would have expected there to be some like a hook or, or something here that like Beth would need to get her to say something. But it's literally they just listen to her talk about stuff for a while and then the cops come in and arrest her. Just it's it's not it's not a very thrilling climax for this movie. No. And I thought that they were going to have, like, a tussle back and forth, but the cop is, like, right there, so she breaks it up, like, immediately. And it's like, yeah. all right, you're arrested now. And then she's And like, then I love, I love, yeah. Go ahead. What, what is she? No, you go ahead, because I, I it's later. Okay. But. She's like, my husband, a defense attorney, you idiot. <laughs> I just love yeah, how, like, yeah. bad characters are always like, you fool or you idiot. <laughs> It's all they ever say. And I love, yeah, I love the, right now is when the dad then comes in. And I love that fact that he comes in just to, like, talk shit at his wife. I know. He's such a dickhole in this scene. He just comes in there and it's like, oh, you you have the right to remain silent. You should really use that. And it's, he's just coming in there to get those cheap jabs in while he can i i love it i, I love, love it. how much he hates his wife it's like the purest thing in the <laughs> yes like, yes oh man i really hate her now i don't even have to divorce her or it'll be easier to divorce her because she's going down i love it so happy i yeah. i believe everything yeah. stevie said and i don't believe anything she said because she's the worst i'm not biased yeah and then i do like the uh during this scene, the camera is completely unlike it is for the rest of this movie. It's 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 shot without a tripod or something. It's very shaky, and like it moves very dynamically between all the people in this scene. So we're like looking at Jeanette's screaming face, then it zooms to the dad, then it zooms to uh, way back where uh, Beth is running up the stairs to see, go to the stage and all that. It's it's very much 
it's so different than the rest of this movie. It's like they, you know, misplaced a tripod or something, so they couldn't shoot it like a boring movie. It's that this usually is shot like, but <laughs> there was earlier. It's a positive change. Yeah, there is earlier in the scene in the movie where uh, Jeanette and Stevie are initially talking, and she's trying to pay him off, and I think they really wanted it to be like dynamic, so they're constantly panning to her, panning to him, panning to her, panning to him. And it's like a little shaky too. And it's like, if this is yeah. trying to make this interesting, this is not working for me. <laughs> but well, I mean, it works better than the basic picture image counter image thing that they're doing for the rest of this entire movie, in a sense. Yeah, because it's at least something, you know, they're trying to do something, even though it doesn't work. But and then Melanie has her big dance number, and she wins. And she deserves it compared to Sarah because she actually does like imp relatively impressive dance moves on that stage. Like I would believe that she is actually a dancer based on the stuff that happens on that stage. Exactly. Whereas with the other one, I probably wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Um, and then they march, uh, what's her face, Jeanette, out the front door. And her daughter sees her and she's like, don't worry, honey, I'll be home for dinner. Um, and then the Sarah and Melanie hug and Sarah says, you know, I was not a part of this. I would never do this to you. Don't worry. Um, and then the husband's like, oh, I guess you could use a ride, huh? And then they're like, yeah. And everyone's happy. And they're like, okay, end of the movie. And then... Uh, well, <laughs> one thing I would like to highlight before we move away from this uh, climactic ballroom dance place, uh, Melanie does get a giant check, and I always love a giant check. <laughs> it's very fulfilling to see one. Yeah. I always love uh, seeing a, a giant check, too. <laughs> it's way better than any big trophies. Just give me one of them big cardboard checks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that... That's the climax of this movie, and then it should end, but it doesn't because we need to see, uh, well, some problematic stuff. <laughs> so, at the very end, we see Jeanette the next morning coming out of the police station, and uh, the <laughs> police look like Mounties, and there's this one very petite woman wearing a very large uniform. <laughs> and yeah, and, and the hat. And the the hat, hat just mm, <laughs> it, it completes it so well. And... Um, then the husband is there, and he is like, so you don't have a car anymore, right? Because Jeanette, like, totaled your car. And Beth's like, yeah. And he's like, well, you could have our Escalade. Also, here's some gas money. <laughs> and he doesn't say this out loud, <laughs> yeah. but it seems like, please don't sue my family. We're good, right? <laughs> yeah, but and I do like the fact that Beth is now Dan's mom number one. Yeah. That's definitely a positive and they actually uh, i was disappointed that they talk about it because if they hadn't talked about it it would be more fun but then they kind of had it had a bit about it but yeah she's like what yeah. are they gonna do about those license plates and it's like well you're probably gonna have to get new license plates <laughs> or doesn't he say like it's appropriate because your daughter won the contest you're a dance mom number one oh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But yeah, then this movie actually ends in that classic ending bit that you are so used to of people having car user interface problems and laughing about it. <laughs> Is that a car? I thing? was just... 
no, it is not. That is why I was I was very I was rather confused. Like it's a obviously it's gonna be a classic thing now that they've done it and people have seen it and loved it. But like I don't think I've ever seen a film end as like nonchalantly, uh, inconsequentially as this because what is they're trying to find the car to turn on uh, they're trying to find the button to turn on the car and they're having a laugh about it and it's just what is why what i my i just i have no words for it yeah it's i i get that you know you want to see her get the car that's fun you know zoom away after that don't show them in the car trying to start it and laughing not very convincingly about it because oh just you know there is no if you have user interface problems never use that as the ending to a movie that's a pretty good guideline i would think but yeah i was waiting for like some funny line for them to be like you know i guess that's why you know family is so important or i don't know (laughs) yeah 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 it would fit it would fit yeah yeah. I'm glad you love dance so much, even though it should have traumatized you. And then <laughs> the yeah. end. But it's like, wait, how do I use this car? This button. No, mom, that button. Ha <laughs> ha And that's the end. <laughs> yeah, and they, they, she doesn't even press the button in the scene. That's great. And I actually, uh, was this the only scene in this movie that was actually shot on location with, like, the camera facing the windshield of a car? Because I could swear that they were actually inside that car in this, yeah. like, in, in this location inside the car. It wasn't green screen. Yeah. This was the only, only bit in the entire movie where we see people inside a car that is not green screened. And it is a very ridiculous thing to have to say about any movie. <laughs> Let alone this one, in which people are in cars a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, who could forget that thrilling car chase of 20 miles an hour <laughs> going to a yeah. storage unit facility? So, uh, did you listen to the end credits? Because there's a song that plays over them, and I might have been confused about that as well. Oh, no. No, I didn't. It's about loving a boy's body and liking him and wanting to have sex with him. And it's like... I'm not quite putting the two two and two together here with in relation to what this song has to do with this movie, but I guess it sounds okay. <laughs> yeah, there's no romance in this movie. Uh, yeah, absolutely zero <laughs> romance. It's about people getting a divorce and being single moms. There's no romance. Maybe Alba no, yeah, there's absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, the two people who are, I think, oh, right, they are in one scene together. I was just thinking, like, they're not in any scenes together, but there's that one scene after uh, Jeanette reveals her plot that they go away to see the uh, mother-in-law or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that's, that's the most love in this movie, except for ma- maternal love, which is, of course, plentiful because we have the good dance mom in this movie. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I I was kind of wondering is is this movie about patriarchy winning because it's just the dad says things throughout this movie and there uh, a the antagonist of the movie a lady keeps telling him that he's wrong but in the end he's right and he gives our hero a big car that she doesn't know how to use. <laughs> what is this movie saying? What I'm. 
I was so desperate trying to look for a message that the only thing I come up with is just like, yeah, men, I guess, they're kind of rule, huh? They're not crazy like that woman. Just, uh, yeah, uh, all, all these no. thrillers are, like, really regressive. Like, any time a woman is not living up to her role as a mother, it's like opening the door for either her oh, to yeah, be bad I... or for, like, her to be in trouble and she's not being a protective mother like she should be so like those themes are definitely at play in like every single one of these kinds of movies yeah because Jeanette doesn't I mean the whole conflict is that she doesn't want to be there for her children so the dad tries to force her into it but she goes crazy instead and tries to kidnap a lady I mm, this oh this <laughs> This is too bad. This is very bad. Oh, oh no. <laughs> well, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, we're at the point where we judge the movie. There are two scales. There's one to five stars, which talks about how good the movie is in terms of quality. And then there's the mockability scale, which is one to five whatevers. Um, we could have escalates for this one, I guess. Um, and then that's how mockable it is. So, okay. I think for well, I would. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, I think for me, the quality of this movie is pretty low. Um, <laughs> yes, that is an accurate statement. <laughs> like the story, at least, makes sense, so that's good. The acting is middling, and the effects and editing are really bad. So I'll give it one and a half stars for quality. Um, and then in terms of mockability, I would say it's pretty high. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's like it's super high for 40 minutes, then it kind of falls off a cliff. Yeah. But I mean, it still has its moments like those awesome CGI shots. Oh, but uh, yeah. Like when the fish gets his cookie, that's pretty great. And then when the yeah. windshield cracks, that's also pretty great but yeah it yeah. it it feels like it should end like 20 minutes before it does so yeah because the climax does go on for 45 yeah, minutes it's so of this long. Movie, so yes <laughs> and it's like you want the girl to be okay but i never really cared about like the, the dance competition and this movie was like well you need to know what happens at the dance competition and i was like no i'm good <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everything about this movie is very inconsequential yeah. in the sense that, like, nothing sticks with you, nothing you want to know more about, no. really, except maybe the fish or what Ghost Probation Officer's TV was visiting all these yes. years, but that's really about it. <laughs> um, so, I guess I'll give it, like, three and a half escalates for mockability. Yeah, I... I gotta say that yeah, the quality of this movie is very poor. I'm not like there is, there is like the slightest element of a message that has been bungled up in such ways that it's more like a run over carcass or something. It's just it nothing in this like says anything, and the effects are. <laughs> I like the effects a lot. They are not good though, and just yeah, this is just so. It's inconsequential. It's boring. It's it's made in a way that doesn't ex excite or engage the audience in any way whatsoever, except when you are mocking it. So in terms of quality, yeah, I would also I would 
give it a one out of five. I, I don't do half stars, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> it might be a one and a half, but I don't do half stars, so I'll just give it a one. And for mockability, I, yeah, I, I would give it a three out of five as well, because I, it's, the first half is so much better than the later half, and like, I would prefer it to be the other way around. Like, it would be good if there was an escalation towards something. Now it just like sets expectations that it in no way delivers during the later half, except for those CGI shots. So yeah, that's a, so yeah, three out of five, it's pretty good. I was, I would say that I was kind of disappointed overall in this movie by the lack of deadly, but it does make up for it by having plenty of dance moments, <laughs> yes. but just no deadly in the start there. Yeah. And I do like that it is a movie about dancing that features about, you know, two or three minutes of actual dancing. So it's not actually about dancing, but the title sort of kind of implies that. Yeah. So it's it's mostly mom. If you had to break it up between deadly dance and mom, it's mostly high content of mom. Yeah, I, w I wish they w it would be like um, dangerous dance moms. Yeah. Then I could agree with the dangerous oh, part. That would be good. Yeah, kidnapping someone definitely counts as dangerous. I totally agree. Yeah, and ramming someone off a car into a tree to have a CGI explosion <laughs> would be also... Also dangerous. It totally registers, yeah. Great. We've done it. So, um... Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for taking me... <laughs> taking me <laughs> on. For, for having me on. For having me on this show. It's, uh, it's interesting to see how these things work or well how you guys do it in the states <laughs> with the bad movie podcast because that's a good thing i i like enjoy i enjoy this experience thoroughly i'm glad do you have anything to plug yeah so to all the millions of finnish people who are listening to this i am editor of Ch editor in chief of uh .com, which is a website film magazine thing we write a lot about film and there's a lot of good stuff out there We've covered around a thousand films or 1200 i think we're up to now so go read that if you can read finnish but if you don't read finnish then just take this as a potential thing that you should be learning finnish to read because you know it's totally worth it to read what i think about zombie 3 uh because you know learning the one of the most difficult languages in the world just so you can read what a stranger thinks about zombie 3 that's totally <laughs> worth it do it totally go go ahead and uh you can follow me on twitter at vr stello which you'll probably also link in the show notes i would absolutely hope, maybe just uh send that me how to spell that and i will <laughs> absolutely yes i figured that would be a prerequisite <laughs> for that and uh you can follow the show on twitter at nabn podcast um you can search for us on facebook um and we would love it if you would rate and review us so for listening, I'll see you in a month. Bye. Thank you.